All right, friends. All right, friends. Welcome back to Opening Up the Tent podcast. It's been a while. I'm your host, Father Craig Hallway, pastor at Mary Queen of Peace Parish in Webster Groves. And with me always is Jimmy Vreeland. Jimmy, happy summer. Happy summer. Father Craig, I missed you. I missed being on the mic with you. (laughs) It's been a while. It's been a while. We were both traveling a little bit and uh, gosh, the weeks just got away from us, didn't it? It did. Right on. Well, we are uh, we are back into it. Uh, how are the kids enjoying their summer vacation? Uh, it's been awesome so far. Very good summer. We just finished up uh, CYC baseball okay. last week. Uh, I needed a sub for my fifth grade team, so my third grader played. <laughs> and Tommy was the catcher, and Bubba's the third baseman, and they picked the kid off. It was awesome. Nice. Nice. All right. The apple doesn't fall too far from the tree there, huh? Yeah, yeah it was one of my top 10 dad experiences. All right. Awesome. Awesome. Well, good. Well, good. Well, yeah, listen, uh, friends, uh, summer is uh, in full force here. We hope that you're uh, enjoying these uh, longer days, uh, these evenings. Uh, I sort of experienced the summer months as a real gift, right? We get a few added hours on the end of the day with daylight, a great opportunity to spend it playing baseball and, uh, and, and hanging out with family and friends and all of that. So I hope you're enjoying that time. And then also uh, keeping up as uh, we're invited to all year long, keeping up with our spiritual disciplines and, uh, and staying closely connected to the Lord and closely connected to the, uh, to the parish community. So uh, friends, you know, we're going to, today we're going to dive in. Uh, We're going to get somewhat uh, technical um, and talk a little bit about uh, evangelization. We've been talking about this for a couple of weeks now, especially that uh, all things new has uh, come to its culmination with the announcement back on Pentecost and Mary queen of peace finds itself um, sort of unchanged, at least by way of our canonical structure. But the invitation from the church is still to evangelize and still to bring um, people to the Lord, bring people to the altar, welcome people back to the church, uh, which is our perennial and universal work. In other words, that's the work of all of us, right? That's not just the work of the priest. It's not just the work of the RCIA team. That's all of our work. So, Jimmy, that's what we're going to talk about today. What do you think? Uh, I'm excited excited about this one because uh, Steve Schaefer told me about this last year, and it just uh, it made evangelization less of a um, less scary, maybe. Yeah. Less, less as a easier to tackle, maybe. I, yeah. Yeah. It yeah. gave a way to get going. Yeah. Yeah. So you know the the, the general, I think the general thought out there is that evangelization means being able to explain the faith right explain the catholic faith um i'm using i'm using air quotes right now uh uh, uh defend the faith right and 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 that is a a facet of evangelization that's something we call apologetics but when we talk about evangelization, friends, what we're really talking about is um, sh- sharing the good news of the gospel. Uh, I've put it this way. I-, I heard this somewhere. I don't remember who I heard this from. It might be Christophonic. It might be Bishop Barron. I'm not exactly sure. Um, evangelization is one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread let me repeat that evangelization sharing the good news of Jesus Christ is one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread so that's what evangelization is and you don't have to be an expert in catholic doctrine you don't have to be an expert in theology but what you do need is you need a story but you're not going to find that story on a shelf or on Amazon. You're already living your story. Your story is your experience of the first time you found bread. So that's distilling it down. We call that, friends, we call that 
the our participation in the kerygma. Here's a big fancy word. Impress all your friends, Jimmy. Kerygma. I always use Greek words with my friends. They're like, man, I'm seeing Jimmy today. I hope he uses some Greek words. Uh, right, right. The flashcards help with that, don't they? I saw Absolutely. your flashcards. You got a lot of them. Absolutely. <laughs> that, 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 it's impressive. You guys, you should listen. Next time you see Jimmy, um, ask him about his Greek flashcards. He's got a ton of them. You should see him. Um, he, uh, he, he's really good at that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, the kerygma, huh? So it, that's that's our participation, um, and 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 our telling of the story of where we first and when we first and how we first found bread. So that's that's the 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 the, the meat. That's the fruit. That's what we're sharing when we talk about evangelization. We're talking about sharing the kerygma and our participation in it, and so. That then leads us then to, okay, well, then what is the kerygma? So the church um, holds up uh, five steps, five stages of the kerygma. And if you were to Google kerygma, you would get all sorts of resources and all sorts of different words and phrases for each of these five steps. I think, Jimmy, if I'm not cur- if I'm not mistaken, these are Christophonics. Is that right? Uh, yeah, this is on formed. Um, Christophonic on form did a, like a, a 20 video series. Uh, Steve Schaefer recommended this to us all last year at Axe. Okay. Um, and it's, uh, but it, this is where it does a deep dive into the Kerygma. Okay. So uh, Jimmy has mentioned here a few times, I think on this podcast, formed.org, www.formed.org. F-O-R-M-E-D dot org. The parish has a subscription uh, to this website. You create an account and you have access to all of the content on formed.org, including this content that we're about to talk about right now. So let's let's start from the beginning. Okay, kerygma is a Greek word as... Um, as we just said a moment ago, and the word kerygma, K-E-R-Y-G-M-A, kerygma, kerygma, it means creed, and a creed is a statement of belief, a statement of belief. So on Sundays at church, when we celebrate the Eucharist, we profess the Nicene Creed or the Nicene Kerygma. A, doc, a document that was written in the year 325 um, and has been professed in Catholic churches uh, since then. And this creed, this Nicene Creed, is the statement, a summary of what we believe. And it begins with, I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. So that's what the kerygma is. It's a creed. It's a statement of belief. Here is the first statement of belief. There's the first stage of kerygma. You and I, the human person, made in God's image and likeness, male and female, he created us beautifully and wonderfully made. We were created by God for a purpose. That's the first statement of the kerygma. We were created by God for a purpose. Now, if you're of a certain age, if you're over the age of, say, 65 or 60 or 65, you remember what's known as the Baltimore Catechism the Baltimore Catechism. And if you remember, the Baltimore Catechism was a manual that was used to teach the faith. And it was a question and answer format. So there was a question and then there was an answer. And that answer was a statement of belief. Here is the first question in the Baltimore Catechism. Why did God make me? Jimmy, got an answer for that? Let me put you on the spot. What's what's Jimmy V's answer? Before I give you the Baltimore Catechism answer, what's Jimmy V's answer? Why did God create you? To love and serve him. 
Boom. There's a guy that knows the Baltimore catechism. That's exactly did I get it right. You did get it right. That's exactly what the Baltimore catechism says. All right. Here's what the Baltimore, here's the answer of the Baltimore catechism. That is more, that is Catholic Jesuit high school paying off 25 <laughs> years later. <laughs> Boom. Money well spent. Thanks, Ann and Steve. Uh that that's right. So here is the Baltimore, Baltimore catechism answer. God created you to know love and serve him in this world and be with him forever in the next that's that's the catechetical answer right why we were created by god for a purpose what is that purpose to know love and serve him in this world and to be with him for all eternity in the next that's the purpose and so from that then from that then flows sort of the rules or the, the boundaries or the conditions of achieving that purpose, right? So if that's my purpose, then how do we do, how, how do we execute that? If that's the goal to know, love and serve God in this world and to be with him for all eternity in the next, how do we achieve that goal? Well, that's the, the Christian way of life, the gospel of Jesus Christ, We're, and we'll get more into this. But that's the purpose. The purpose is to be with God, to know, love, and serve God in this world, and to be with him for all eternity in the next. Jimmy, do you remember who Rick Warren is? Uh, Purpose-driven life. There you go. There you go. Right. Exactly. Right. So, yeah. So, Rick Warren, um, you may remember if, if, if you're listening and you're of a certain age, um, uh, so Jimmy and I are in our mid forties, uh, and 20 years ago, there was an insanely popular book that was on the bestseller list for months, if not years written by Rick Warren, who at the time was the pastor of a giant church in Texas, a Protestant evangelical church in Texas called Saddleback Church. And he wrote a book called the purpose driven life and gosh, it sold tens of millions of copies and probably since then hundreds of millions of copies it's so good and it is so so very good and 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 warren's invitation to the christian churches is to embrace that purpose to embrace and live out that purpose of knowing loving and serving god in this world and being with him for all eternity in the next jimmy what do you think thank god like so it <laughs> that there's a purpose right. that we're right. not just these atoms floating around like so i'm trying to remember when i first got a taste of bread right yeah just the fact that hey i might not know what my purpose was i'm not sure what my purpose is or what the purpose of humanity is but like what an anxiety relief to hey there is purpose to everything you're doing on life and right. So, Amen. When I was first starting to taste the bread, I'm just like, it was such an anxiety relief. Like, right. Like, oh, right. Right. And, and, and to know furthermore, that, that, that purpose is, is it revolves around good things, right? Listen to it again. I was, I was created to know love and serve God in this world and to be with him forever in the next. Okay. That's via positiva. If I've ever heard it, right. There's nothing bad there. We, 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 we weren't created for nefarious purposes. We weren't created for lackluster participation in the human enterprise. We weren't created simply to consume or be consumed we were created for something good and positive. And that by itself, like you were saying, I mean, that's that boy, talk about a, a, a boost to morale. But so I'm thinking if you're an ancient Greek and then, you know, St. Paul converted you and he said, Hey, everything in creation is good. And you were created by God for a purpose. Like imagine the relief. You mean, I'm not some plaything of the fates. I'm not some plaything <laughs> of the gods. Right. Like, and then bring it to our modern day wokeism, which is trying to 
destroy all purpose and meaning like right what a relief like right i'm just i'm really trying to think about so then my next question would be like okay so i'm assuming you could get uh, you evangelized for a lot longer than me i'm assuming this one isn't that hard for people to accept correct i'm assuming correct. the next question has to probably do with the problem of suffering or why are things so messed up that's right so, Okay, I'm greater for a purpose. Why is there so much suffering on earth? That's right. Yeah. If God is so loving, if God is so loving, if God wants us to know love and serve him and to be with him for all eternity in the next world, then why doesn't he just make that happen, right? Why is there suffering and evil in the world? And that leads us to the second part of the kerygma, and that is that because of free will, because of the way that God created us, he gave us a choice. He gave us the freedom to not only choose to know, love, and serve him in this world and to be with him forever in the next, but he also gave us the capacity to not choose that. And that is why there is sin and evil and malevolence and suffering in the world. God did not create suffering. God does not cause suffering. Sin and suffering are the natural consequences of not participating fully in that purpose-driven life. So when we refuse to know, love, and serve God in this world, and we reject or we put on the back burner or we ignore the invitation to be in communion with God for all eternity, the natural consequence of that is sin and evil and malevolence and suffering and pain. That is represented to us in scripture metaphorically speaking, through the book of Genesis. Let me say here unequivocally to the Catholic listening audience, along with anybody else who might be listening, the Catholic Church does not believe or teach in the literal interpretation of the gospel. We do not believe that God created the heavens and the earth in six days. The creation myth in Genesis is a story that metaphorically explains how God created. We do not believe in the literal interpretation of Genesis, including the creation story. Is that still but, a big issue? Oh, it certainly is when you when 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 you try to um debate or evangelize or make apology with our Protestant brothers and sisters who do. So the fun, you're talking the fundamentalists. Yeah, especially the fundamentalists. I was just getting ready to say that. Yeah, especially the fundamentalists who believe that, you know, this earth is, you know, what, 5,000 years old or 6,000 yeah. years old or something like that, right? Whatever the internal chronology is. So let me state again, too, that you know, the church has never held up scripture as being a scientific document. It's not a scientific document. You're not going to find the missing link between the apes and us somewhere in the book of Genesis. It's not there. Stop looking for it there. I keep the, missing it. I even been, uh, I, thought, I bought well, Bishop Barron's version of the, the, the or how do you say it? The first five books? Oh, the Pentateuch. Yeah. And yeah. I, I was like, oh, we're going to finally find the missing link in this one. No, yeah, sorry, dude. Did you get your money back? You should send that thing back and try to get your money back. What Bishop Barron, give the guy his money back. What about with agnostics and atheists and your experience? How big of a, a rub is this? Well, they 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 totally discount. I mean, atheists and agnostics w w would fall back onto the Big Bang, a, a simple um, uh, astronomical Big Bang, you know, that occurred however many billions of years and but is ago. It from there, is it that hard to get them to intelligent design? Um, you know, I don't, I don't really know. I don't have a whole lot of experience talking to, to, to people who, 
who who believe in 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 a, in a strictly material creation of the universe and yet and and then are like hardcore believers in like um uh, the evolution of the human species you know from what is it like homo neanderthalus to erectus to sapien whatever that is yeah. i i don't i don't know too much about that but um i mean what, whatever it is an atheist or ag- agnostic is going to poo-poo the idea of intelligent design they're certainly not gonna leave it up to you know sort of the you know the old guy in the sky kind of idea right they're they're, they're not gonna believe in a creator like um, I, my guess is that they're trying to push us into the fundamentalist camp oh for and, sure and i'm curious if you've had conversations where you're like no right you know the bible is a library and sometimes it's fact and sometimes it's historical record. And then sometimes it's myth to expose truth. Exactly. Divinely inspired. Right. Like, right. Just, yeah. If you have any experience, how those conversations go. Yeah. Not a lot, not a lot, but I can certainly imagine how they would go. And I think what I would hold up for anybody who held that position was, um, is it also possible then that perhaps your expertise is limited right so in other words is it possible that because you can't explain it just because you can't explain it doesn't necessarily mean that it's not true yeah and and vice versa i I, the few conversations i've had like this is just like okay we disagree that one's a creation of chaos like the odds are that there's an intelligent designer. Like for sure. say that every, the odds are there's an intelligent design. Now, does that designer care about us? Does that designer? Uh, yeah. You yeah. Know, Want it, to have a relationship with us. Yeah. Yeah. Is it personal? Yeah. Is it spiritual? Yeah. That's I mean, Aristotle. Yeah. Go I ahead. Mean, intelligent design is Aristotle. That's. Yeah. Uh, that's yeah. a different argument but like it's hard like you have to be purposely kind of like covering one eye to be like there's not intelligent design oh absolutely and and bishop i think bishop baron would 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 say that anybody who held that i had this conversation not too long ago any uh, w- not with bishop baron with somebody else uh um uh, i said if 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 you got into that conversation that person is being intellectually dishonest that's and then that's what right. it sounds they're, they're, like to me. They're, yeah, they're being willfully ignorant, right? So, and 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 sometimes, you know, those those statements, or I'm sorry, those debates fall into ad hominem uh, arguments as well. You know, if they if you accuse them of being intellectually dishonest, which they are, um, the, those debates usually devolve into us being you know, people of faith being bigots and, and elitists and so on and so forth. So um, anyways, we're kind of going far afield, but uh, well, <laughs> the, 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 the point here, uh, the point here, friends, is that regardless um, of, of how you want to skin this particular cat, uh, n- no pun intended, um, we, we live in a fallen world and 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 this purpose that god has for us to know love and serve him in this world and be with him forever in the next has been frustrated by sin so that purpose is no longer achievable directly and immediately and easily unless hum- unless, unless. <laughs> bum, bum, bum. god sends us a savior that's number three, friends. The third, the third facet of the kerygma. God sent Jesus to draw us out of sin, to draw us out of chaos, and to redeem us. Okay, so we have the purpose-driven life. We have we have God's purpose for us to know, love, and serve Him in this world and be with Him in the next. We have sin that blocks us from achieving that purpose. Jesus removes that obstacle. Jesus removes that boundary. 
Jesus redeems us from sin and chaos and restores us to order. But we have to participate in that act. In other words, Jesus didn't just snap his fingers and reversed the consequences of sin. The consequences of sin are not only sort of cosmic. So now let's talk about structures of sin, things like poverty, war, famine, bad things happening to good people. We call those structures of sin. But here's the thing about structures of sin. It starts with the choice made by the human person. In other words, this is the example I like to use sometimes. Um, and I may have mentioned this on the podcast before. If I have, I apologize. I know I've mentioned it at my Bible study on Thursdays. Scientists think that there is enough food on the planet to feed all 8 billion of us. To excess, we would have enough food for every single person on this planet. However, the reason poverty and famine exist, let's take for instance in sub-Saharan Africa where there is systemic famine because warlords confiscate food and use hunger to oppress and control their people. There's enough food. Or let's take, for instance, in this country, how much food, let's be honest with ourselves, how much food do we waste? I, I'm going to raise my hand and say too much. I know I, I just went out to lunch this afternoon and I sent food on my plate back to the kitchen. And that food ended up in, a, in, 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 in the garbage. Okay, so my point is this. These problems of, of suffering and evil aren't just out there. They, they start with a decision, a choice made by the human person. Therefore, the fourth stage of the kerygma, in order to participate in this redemptive work of Jesus Christ, is to activate in us our own conversion or another Greek word. Jimmy, you're the Greek expert. Lay it on us. Metanoia. Metanoia. Metanoia from the Greek expert himself, Jimmis Rylandis. Um, metanoia. Metanoia is a Greek word. It means to change one's mind. So it's a compound word, meta, M-E-T-A. Meta is a prefix. It means dynamic or changeable. Noia is a Greek word meaning mind, um, M-I-N-D, or heart or self or soul. And so metanoia is literally changing your mind about how you live. And when you change your mind about how you live, your behavior changes. So if your behavior is contrary to achieving your purpose, then we look to Jesus who shows us how to change our mind so that we will change our behavior. Now, that leads us to the fifth and final part of the kerygma. How do I know? How do I meet this Jesus? How do I know this Jesus? In the fifth part of the kerygma, in order to encounter that Jesus, is to be immersed in his church. And I think Stephanic does something brilliant here, whether we realize it or not. Stephanic uses the word immerse. And that word in Greek, immerse, is baptizen. And that word, baptizen, leads to our English word, baptism. Baptism is the first sacrament of initiation into the church. So let's work backwards then. 
we're immersed into the church. And as disciples of Jesus, we learn a way of life, a way of life, a way of living that helps us fulfill our purpose. But in order to do things Jesus's way, I can't do things another way. And that requires conversion, metanoia, changing my mind. But in order to do that, I need to participate in that initial purpose that God created me for. And so I need to have a relationship with Jesus. And having a relationship with Jesus is a great way, is the only way, it's the only way, let me say it one more time for emphasis, having a relationship with Jesus is the only way to be ransomed from sin. And when I'm ransomed from sin, I can achieve the purpose for which God created me. That, friends, is the kerygma, and that's why we have church. So there we are. Jimmy, what do you think? That was a lot there. Yeah. Um, so I'm assuming, you know, if we're talking to the people maybe on the edge of the tent. Yeah. And then this was that's this is kind of interesting. Do you know what my main takeaway from purpose driven uh uh life was? Lay it on me. That it's uh uh um it's a obligation of a believer to participate in fellowship activity. Not just church isn't just enough. That's right. Yeah. 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 So the community supports us, right? The community supports us. And, and then, go ahead. And that, that's what I, you know, I love this about MQP. You got Acts, uh, you got Emmaus groups, um, you got Exodus. Bible like, studies. Yeah. Really everything we do, right? Every, everything we do as a parish including our sports programs, our adult faith programs, even our school, all of everything we do, most especially our celebration of the Eucharist, is ordered to working the kerygmic steps in our life. So in other words, and I've said this before, and I'll say it again, we don't we don't do sport programs so that our children have something to do on Saturdays and Sundays. That's not why we do them. We have sport programs so that our children will learn how to relate to one another on a, 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 a in a Christ-like way while wasting free time, right? So you're on a sport team and you're playing baseball but you're on a team and you're playing baseball and you're doing such as Christ would want you to same deal with our school. We do not run a school to be an alternative to public education. We run a school to make disciples of Jesus and provide an excellent education. So everything we do is ordered to working these, walking these steps of the kerygma. And that culminates perfectly and fully when we celebrate the Eucharist. And then do you ever get the objection? Oh, you know, Father, you know, I, I read scripture every day, but like I, I'm a private prayer person. Like I don't yeah. necessarily want to, yeah. uh, I'll come get the Eucharist, but hey, peace out. Once you offer me a donut. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so what I would say to that is uh, two things. One, um, admit to yourself that it's possible that that way of thinking is, is wrong. Okay. Secondly, if you are committed to that way of thinking, then you're missing out. There's, there's a lack of enrichment, right? So, so just let me repeat that again. 
if that's if that's your way of thinking and if you're unwilling to change the way you're thinking then you also have to accept that you could be wrong and your experience is going to be incomplete the richness the fullness of immersion in the church is both sides of the coin. Actually, it's a coin of many sides, really. It's the devout life. It's the moral life. It's the communal life. It's the life at home. It's your social circles. It's a, it's a coin of many sides. And if you, if, if we limit ourselves or if we pigeonhole ourselves we're missing the complete package. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's like playing tennis without somebody returning the ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's pickleball, a... pickleball for you. Yeah, pickleball, right? Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. You know, they 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 did this. Um, I think we've talked about this before. If if not on the podcast, then elsewhere. But you know, they did this. Uh, well, we 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 used this. Um, we use this metaphor when we were talking about Exodus 90. Remember that study they did where, you know, they promised kids um, either $5 now or $50 in a week. Yeah. And, and, and right. And, and like all the kids took $5 now, right. They had no, they had no concept of waiting seven days to receive $50. Um, and, and, and sometimes that's what membership in the church is like, right? So, okay, you take $5 from, you know, being a coach and you take $5 from sending your kid to a Catholic school. Um, you send $5, for, uh, you get $5 from participating in the scouts or something like that. And yet you've left $45 on the table at the Sunday celebration of the Eucharist. You, you, so, okay. And, 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 and I'm not knocking that $5. I'm simply saying that you left $45 on the table and that $45 was yours. And if you thought $5 was enough, $45 is well, seven times more than that. No, wait, more, more, more than that. Nine times more than that. <laughs> right. So you, you so if, if you get a lot out of if you get a lot out of coaching or if you get a lot out of Springfest, just imagine how much more you would get out of being totally immersed in the charisma. Totally immersed. And then the it payout there is huge. And so and like what the charisma did for me, because I, I think most lay people they're like, maybe they hear the Holy Spirit and they're like, I want to get out there and I want to get evangelized. We said this on yeah. the last podcast, right? Yeah. And like, yeah. for at least for me, the first thing that came to mind is like, uh-oh, I got to go door to door. Right. And I'm like, uh, I don't want to do that. And then you start to feel a little guilty. Right. And then what I what I love about the charisma is like, what you just rolled through, you don't have to have a doctor in theology to do. Oh, no, 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 no. This is, again... This is one beggar telling another beggar where they found bread. And it, you know, it opens up a ton of conversations. Number two, Absolutely. live in a fallen state. So, hey, maybe we're going to have to talk about the problem of the evil a little bit. But then number three, Jesus redeems us, like ultimate source of hope. And then this is my favorite. Number four, uh-oh, guess what? You're going to have to change. Right, right. And then just putting that challenge we've talked about this on this podcast before. Like, this is where I think the church needs to get after a little bit. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Agreed. The challenge. Yeah. Of it. Like, this isn't, yeah. this isn't like, hey, you're going to show up and everything's going to be great. It's like, no, it's going to be a constant battle of bearing or uh, bearing crosses. Yep. But and, 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 and change for the better. Right. Yeah. Let, let, let me state that unequivocally from on this podcast too, right? So when we talk about conversion of life and when we talk about change of mind and change of heart, 
okay, the initial reaction is going to be, I don't like change. I don't like change. You don't like change. We don't like change. People don't like change unless you are guaranteed that that change is change for the better. And that's the metanoia. Metanoia is change, but it's change for the better. It might hurt. It might cost us something, but metanoia is change for the better. And we all know it. We all know it. The evil one keeps us from it. The evil one discourages us. You're fine the way you are. You're okay. I'm okay. You know what? Jesus says, you're beautifully and wonderfully made in my image and likeness, but your behavior is not okay. Because that's really what we're talking We're talking about behavior. We're talking about healthy, happy, and holy behavior as opposed to unhappy, unhealthy, and unholy behavior. That change is always change for the better. And then I would argue people don't change unless they have some connection to their high, to meaning and purpose. Exactly. The only reason people will exactly Jimmy, it's exactly right. And that's why the, that's why the step before metanoia is, is acknowledging that Jesus is the redeemer and having a relationship with Jesus. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, if you don't have meaning or purpose, then then why change? And is, so, that the, is that this just came to my brain? But like, is is that the narrow gate? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so Jimmy's talking about Matthew chapter five, right? Enter through the narrow gate, right? So Jesus says that the way to this eternal life, that way of life is narrow. It's, it's got hard boundaries on it. Jesus goes on to say, the way that leads to doom is broad, but the way to eternal life is narrow. Well, our initial reaction is going to be, well, we don't like narrow. We like broad. We like wide open spaces, right? We like, we like homes that have open floor plans, right? We don't like walls everywhere in our homes. Father Craig, I just need to be able to express each and every whim (laughs) I have all day long, every day. And wrong. Not only do you, not only do you not need to do that, deep down, you know, you don't want to. The problem is you don't know why. You don't know why. And that's what Jesus has to say. We talked a little bit about this this morning in Bible study, right? We we said, well, I've put it this way before. Um, so achieving holiness is not necessarily just not doing something, okay? And it, it it's not even not doing something you shouldn't do. Okay, holiness is not wanting to do it. Do you see the distinction, friends? Do you see the distinction between not doing something and not doing it because you shouldn't do it and not doing it because you wouldn't do it? In other words, you wouldn't even want to insert vice or sin here. Do you see the day? Go ahead. Can you that conversion from I'm I want to do it, but I'm not going to do it to now I don't have that desire to do anymore? Yeah. Is that is that that grace or is that white knuckle? Absolutely. It's both. It's both. What does St. Paul says? St. Paul says, work out your own salvation. But St. Paul also says to be born into the life of grace through baptism. Right. And so it's both. It's both grace and self-control, willpower, discipline. Those things work hand in hand. In other words, 
We've said it, we've used it before on this podcast before. It's the grace loop. It's the grace loop. But to borrow the phraseology from St. Paul is we have to cooperate with what God wants to do with us. Okay, so God wants to do these things in us and for us and through us. We have to cooperate with him wanting to do that. If we don't cooperate with him, then it's going to feel burdensome. And it's going to feel unachievable. But if we tap into the grace that inspires in us self-control, discipline, willpower, those two things work together to help us achieve our goals. And I, you know, uh, Stephen Covey, starting with the end in mind. Yeah. Uh, do you believe that temptation is easier to resist if you're keep your eyes on the prize on the purpose? Yep, 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 absolutely. And that might be a little a decent hack, like, oh, yeah. I am I keeping my eyes on the prize? Yep, for sure, for sure. I went out to dinner last night and uh, uh, we 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 ate late, uh, well, late, later than normal. And, um, the, the lady came around, the guy came around and, and, you know, took our plates. And then he said, uh, do you want any dessert? Uh, I'm a dessert guy. You may not know it to look at me, but uh, I'm a dessert guy. And, um, uh, but it was, it was late. It was eight 30 and, and boy, I mean, I knew that if I ate a sugary dessert at eight 30, that I would be up all night long, all night long. And I mean, I need my beauty sleep obviously, as you know, um, nobody so, likes a cranky 6am holiday, right? Ex exactly. Right. So I, 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 I decline. I mean, I love dessert and, and, and if it weren't, if it were seven o'clock and not eight 30, I probably would have had it, but it would have kept me up all night. I would have been cranky and my stomach would have bothered me. Right. So, so if, if you want to do and be certain things, then you have to live a life that is conducive and is cooperative with that desire, that good and holy desire. So friends, that's where we are. That's the charisma. So I want to, I want to give this to you for your prayer then is uh, to think about how, uh, well, let's go back. I, I want you to think about where and how you first found bread how and where you first found bread. And then can you think of a way, think of a, a scenario, think of a, a clever way in order to share that story with people you know and love. And also an opportunity to share that story with someone who really needs to hear it. And we know these people, we know these people who are not living their God-given purpose. So, but, but at the same time, I also want to encourage us to continue participating in the ongoing work of the charisma in our own lives. Remember that we're made for a purpose to know, love, and serve God in this world and to be with him in the next but that that purpose has been frustrated by our own sinfulness. And yet our own sinfulness has been redeemed and we can receive that redemption at the sacrament of reconciliation and, and the Eucharist. And that then encourages us on the conversion of our heart and life. And that then leads us back to the altar to continue to be immersed in the life of the church and in the life of Christ. So that's Kerygma 101, my friends. I hope you've enjoyed our discussion on the Kerygma. Oh, you Father Craig, my takeaway, that was beautiful. Just remember the first time you tasted bread. That's very easy yeah. to do. Very simple. Yeah. Like, yeah. So I don't have to uh, give uh, like Thomas Aquinas's full yeah. argument from prime mover and intelligent design and all of that. <laughs> right. Saying where did you find the bread, proof. bro? Yeah, exactly. Tell me where you found the bread. Tell me about the first time you found the bread.
Uh, Jimmy, Jimmy, before we we break here, you wanted to mention a uh, a book title that you uh, that you found. Oh, I think that it would. I nah, we'll do it the next nah. time. All right, we'll do it next time. We'll do it next time. Uh, listen, friends. So uh, next time, um, uh, you know what I want to Mar- do next time? What's that? What do you want to do next time? I want to do like we can get it from the axe team today, or maybe tomorrow or Saturday, yeah. whenever we meet. But I would like to do top ten objections to the axe retreat, and so all right, yeah. Let's so then get that people from... could send it out as a recording for people they want to invite to the axe retreat. There you go. Yeah, let's get that from Borchers. He's the one who's stringing all that together. Let's see if we can't get in touch with him uh, between now and next time, and and yeah, we can talk a little bit about the axe retreat. Talk a little bit about uh, participating in that, and 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 get after that. Yeah, that's a great idea. That's a great idea. Uh, Jimmy, you want to do your thing, and then we'll close with prayer. Sure. If you found value in this podcast, please like, share, and subscribe to the podcast. And uh, hopefully some more people taste some bread. Amen, brother. Friends, let's pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father, from your bounty, you provide food for your people. The Eucharist, the bread of life, Jesus Christ. We find that bread at your altar. And in so many other ways, you nourish us. May we share with others where we find the bread you give us. And may we invite others to be with us, to join us, and to encounter you as they walk their own path, their own journey. Please bless these summer days. Bless those traveling to be on vacation. Grant safe travels and restive time. For all those who are sick and suffering and those who are most in need, we ask for your continued blessing, providential care, and the help of Christians to support them. Thank you for all the gifts you've given us, and may our lives, our word and action, give glory to your name. We make this prayer through Christ who is Lord forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Friends, enjoy your summer. We'll see you right back here at our next episode. Peace out.